more than something. Um, it's, more than, uh, it's more than fire insurance. It's more than an escape plan. And we're going to get there. But eternal life is, you know, the, the young people these days, like me, say, you're not about that life. Or oh, you old people don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you young people know, but all right. When people say, you know, about that life, there, there's a certain lifestyle that people, you, you tell someone that, you, you, you don't live that type of life. You're not about that life. You need to stay in your lane. So what Jesus is, is so when, when you get saved now, I don't even know we get introduced to a different life. Amen. We get, we get to live a certain, uh, and, and eternal life is not just about quantity. And, and many times we, we, uh, it's been preached that and limited that eternal life is just about quantity. Oh, uh, you you go to heaven when you die. You live forever. And, and that's all well and good, but it's good to know. I know. It's good to know that eternal life, that you don't have to wait for eternal life. You don't have to wait to die to experience eternal life. Eternal life is also about not just quantity, but quality. Amen. You have a life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it in its fullness. Amen. So he ain't just talking about, uh, um, okay, you're saved um, you have a let you 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 um, you're born again. You a new a new person, and oh, go ahead and live your life. No, God expects to be impacting your life, my life, right here in the now. Jesus said, "I've come that you may have life and have it in its abundance and and have it in its fullness." So He's talking about a quality of life. John chapter seventeen verse three says that this is eternal life, that you may know the one and only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So the Bible is telling us there that eternity is about, the key to eternity is a relationship. Intimacy, walking with God. How many people know we're called to have a relationship with God? All right. How many people know we're called to have, to have relationships? All right. How many people like relationships? Well, it depends who you relate it to, I suppose. But. But, but, if, the, but if, if there's one, we're all meant to have a relationship, all right? And when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, our Father. So if there's one person we're all supposed to have in common, when it comes to relationship, it is God the Father. Amen? God, our Father, our Creator, our Maker. All right? Can you say amen to that? All right. Praise the Lord. So he came to preach the kingdom and to teach about the kingdom. And so that, so that this, it's a new rule a new reign of influence that changes, changes life now. Now, so here, when he tells this parable, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who is about to um, have a, a wedding. So he tells his servants to, to go out and gather wet wedding guests uh, to, to the wedding feast. And, and previously to that verse we read, it, it tells us about how those who were invited, they refused to come. Imagine that they got, a, they got an invitation to a wedding. How many people would you know would turn down an invitation to the royal wedding? Uh, not, many, not many at all. All, all right. So, but these people got invited to a, the wedding of weddings. And they refused to come. Some because they were too busy with their own worldly pursuits and lives. And some because they were positively hostile. You know, some people aren't going to that. All right, and they just and and they just hate on something for the sake of hating on something. All right, so then the, the scripture tells us all previously and leading up to that to that verse. So the king then commands his servants to go out and invite anyone they find, and many come and fill the wedding hall. And and then the king sees comes into the wedding hall and sees that there's one person sitting down there without wedding clothes. 
In other words, they weren't dressed in the correct attire. Uh, um, it is said that in those days that when you were invited to, to, to a wedding, there's certain garments you had to wear and put on. And, uh, <coughs> and the host of the wedding, they would provide what you had to wear. Uh, okay, so and this, this so everyone came in, they put on the right garments, and this person wasn't wasn't wearing it, wearing the right garments. Um, so you can read into that. There's a reason behind they wasn't wearing the white garments. Maybe they just came there. You know, sometimes you invite people to. You know, I think it says it in um, Proverbs 20, 20, 23 verse verse seven. It says, um, um, "As a man thinks, so is he." How a miser could come and sit down with you and eat with you and act like they're your friend, all right? But in, in, but in their heart, they're not with you. And then Scripture goes on to say, because as a man thinks, so is he. So in, in, in other words, you could have people that could come and sit down with you, smile with you, make out like you're the friend. But they can't, inside of them, they cannot deny that they're not real. They, they, there's something that says they're not with you. They're, 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 they're against you. And, and in a sense, you can say that, that the king was able to recognize that this person here wasn't dressed right. They didn't have the right attire. They may have been there at the feast, but hey, you don't belong here because you're not dressed right. Oh, okay? And, and so that's what the, cl the clothing represented. Um, ultimately, it, re it represents that to be at this wedding feast, you have to receive the call of God. You have to be, be a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen? You have to accept this glorious invitation invitation an invitation notice how when the king sends out the invitation and to a group of people and they refuse and he sends it out to another group of people highways and byways and they refuse and he says listen go out there and just go to any and everybody notice how persistent the king is because he really wants people not to miss out tell your neighbor he doesn't want you to miss out he's persistent in making the invitation as attractive as possible. He really wanted those people invited to come. Somebody said they were called. All right, praise the Lord. So there we see now that, that the king, that Jesus says, he's telling this, this, this parable and he finishes it. He says, listen, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are ch chosen. And this, that word call, call, the Greek word there is, is kletos, and it means to be divinely called, selected, and invited, and given the opportunity. You've been given the opportunity. I've been given the opportunity. Chosen means you've been picked out. All right? You have been picked out. You've been specially picked out. You ever been called somewhere, invited somewhere, and then, and then you're going to be picked out? You ever watch X Factor? All right? They get called, but many are called. Few are chosen. All right? Uh, uh, but the thing is about, uh, about, about, about the kingdom you get to find out that many times when it comes to God and the kingdom is, is, is you and I get to do the choosing. How many know you can make sure you're chosen? By according to your response to the what? The call. It's, it's our response to the call which would designate whether you are chosen and picked out. It's not like X Factor, how good you can sing. Amen? It's if you accept the invitation and you do your best with your opportunity. Oh, praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say calling. Calling. Now, Romans 11 verse 29 says that the gifts and the calling of God are what? Those of you who know the Bible. Irrevocable. They are without repentance. Amen. So when God calls you, guess what? He keeps what? 
calling. Somebody say echo. 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 Somebody say resonate. Say it again. Again. All right. That's what God's calling is like. When he calls you, if he says Carton, I mean, when Carton was five years old and he was hard ears, yeah, and he never listened and he, and he just said, that child, forget God, yeah. When he was 10, he would still hear God saying, Carton. When he was 11, he'd still hear, Carton. Are you hearing me? When he was 20, he was still calling you. <laughs> when he was 30, 40, he kept... When God calls you, he calls you, he calls you, he calls you. It's like an echo. It's like a resonance. It's a, it's, your, it's a sound coming towards you that is reverberating and continuing to call you. Because it is without repentance. He ain't going to change his mind. It's irrevocable. If, when he has released something to your life, when he has designated you to be something and someone in his kingdom, amen, it, is, it does not change his mind. It is irrevocable. If he has destined you for A or B or C, no, at every part of your life, every stage of your life, when you're 5, 10, that call is constantly coming to your life and to your heart and to your mind. And you could be like some, we can say, well, I'm too busy for it. Well, I've got this going on over here. Well, I'm, I'm very hostile towards it. The call will keep coming and coming and coming and echoing. How many people know God's persistent? Because as we've already uh, ascertained, he's, he's, he's very, 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 very tenacious and interested in you and I, amen, getting to that place to work and accepting that invitation. Praise the Lord. So, there, so Jesus is telling us there's an invitation or there's a calling that goes out from the kingdom of God. A calling. A calling that echoes, a calling that reverberates, a calling that, that, that resonates, and a calling that is without repentance. When he calls you, he keeps calling you. And you can walk away, you can reject it, but you, you can try. Some people try to block out the sound. Come on, somebody. Amen. They try to ignore it, but it's not going to stop the call. He's going to keep calling. And we need to understand that the calling of God also, when because when, 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 sometimes we, we, we have had Christianity misrepresented to us throughout the ages and, and, and honestly understand that the calling of God is not a calling to just to go to heaven, uh, fire insurance or, or even to evacuate earth. I don't even know what evacuate means to get out, yeah? You know, people, a lot of people got stuff going on in their lives and then they say, you know what, I, I want to I go to God, I, I want to go to church and they think they're going to get out of what they're going through. I mean, they want to evacuate. I mean, no, the kingdom, the kingdom, the call of the kingdom is not to evacuate. The call of the kingdom is to occupy, amen, to, to take territory. It's not to like evacuate and let me get out of this. No, no. When, when Jesus prayed, he says, thy kingdom come and thy will be done where? On earth. Amen. Many people think because when, when God calls you into a relationship, when, God, when, when, you, when you come to God, that everything is going to be like heaven. Listen, what Adam and Eve lost wasn't heaven. They lost, they didn't fall from heaven. What they lost when they fell, when, when humanity fell, it fell from dominion. Amen. We lost ground. We lost territory. Amen. We, we lost influence. That's why there's so much madness and craziness and evil in this world. God created this world what? Good. He looked at everything and said, this is good. Everything, everything was good. But when man fell, when humanity messed up in life, 
we lost dominion. We lost the influence of what we had. So when Jesus came and God came in the person of Jesus Christ and restored it and said, hey, repent now. Have a change of mind. Have a change of heart for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm teaching you about the kingdom. I'm calling you into the kingdom. I want to give you back your what? Your dominion. You can start taking territory. You can start changing, not, not just the things outside you, because many people want to just change things around them and want heaven changed around them. How many, first, first, how many people know the first thing that you've got to take, the first territory that you have to own and take possession of is the territory of yourself? Amen? I, 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 are you hearing me? It's got to be yourself. Got to be yourself. Somebody say, I've got, I got to win me. <laughs> hey, pray, praise the Lord. Amen. So the call of the kingdom is to occupy, to take possession, take back your mind, take back your emotions. Come on, somebody. Take back your, take back your peace. Take back your well-being. Take back your wholeness. Come on, somebody. Take back yourself. When you start taking back yourself, it empowers you then to influence outside of you. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is inside of you. So as the kingdom of God, the grace of God, the influence of God grows inside of you, come on, it makes you someone then who's able to influence outside of you and the world around you. It's about occupation. Revelations 11.15 says, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and, and of his Messiah. So he's not, he's not, he's not saying that when, when we get saved and the kingdom of God is, is going to take us away. No, it's, it's about occupying. It's about, so when the kingdom comes, God expects the kingdom to influence and take, and take over and displace demonic or dark realms. How many people know you and I used to be a demonic dark realm? Look at your neighbor and say, you used, used to be a, a, a demonic <laughs> dark realm. Amen. Or just tell me you used to be a sinner. <laughs> Till Jesus set you free. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what happened. Amen. That, that, that's, what, that's basically what happened. Whether you like it, whether you want to accept it or not, the truth the truth. Amen. You can disagree with it. You could try and ignore it, but it's not going to change the fact it's the truth. Are, are you hearing me? The Bible says that we were born what? Sinners. Amen. That's why we have to be born again. And then it goes and said that Christ Jesus made us the what? The righteousness of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the call of, the call of God is to occupy, not evacuate, to make a difference. Amen. Tell you neighbor, I ain't going nowhere. Because <laughs> some people just want to evacuate. Just leave their life behind and get me out of this. No, 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 no. When God saves you, he's going to do something right where you're at. You ain't going nowhere. He's going to work inside of you. He's, he plans to work through you, and that's how the kingdom works. Sorry to spoil your fun. Somebody spoiled mine, so I spoiled yours. Amen. Now I'm going to just look at, raise up about five, five points that, uh, in, in the context of the calling of, of, of God today. Amen. First point is, the calling is a high calling, or a holy calling. We sang that song again this week, I pressed towards the mark of the what? Amen. 
the higher calling or the higher high calling. How many know when God calls you, it's a different level to what you've been called with from in, in the world? Because the world calls us too. The world call, calls us to with the lust of the eye, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. The, the, the world, the world call, 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 calls us to love the world and to, and to buy into its ideals and its philosophy and its values. Isn't that a calling? The world calls us and says, strive for this, and this is what's important. And if you're not wearing this type of brand, then you're not so nothing. Yeah? That's a call. Everyone knows that's a calling. The world says, strive for this and, and try to attain this. And if you're not, and, and worship this person because you'll never be like, like, like that. That's a calling. Are you hearing me? Have you ever noticed that, that, that when we lock into something or, we, or something calls us or something beckons us, and then we end up trying to become it? Can, can, can a calling change you? Can a calling transform you? Can a calling make you become somebody, make, make you change and become somebody else? Of course it can. Of course it can. And this is what Paul speaks about here in Philippians, right? It's a high calling, and the high calling is a transformational call. In the kingdom, when God calls you, it is a transformational call. Something, and you answer it, something is not going to stay the same. And it's going to be you. Something's going to change. And that call keeps happening. That call never stops. It's a transformational call. You're supposed to get what? Better. And better. And praise the Lord. Watch this. Philippians 3 verse 7 says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means, he said, by any means I may attain from the resurrection from the dead. Amen. And it talks about being conformed into his likeness. So Paul is saying here, listen, this is a high calling. This call, and this high calling is so important to me that everything, what I was and what I have, even my, even my, 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 my character and, what, and, what, and, and whatever prestige, I've got to see it all as, as loss. Somebody say, why? So that I can know Christ. He says, so that I can know Christ. He says, I count these things as lost. Because in the world, he was somebody. Amen? How many of you were somebody in the world? You was, some of you was that woman that was traffic stopping. Some of you guys was bad man for this and bad man for that. You had this degree, this qualification, this certificate. A amen. We were known as this, Mr. and Mrs. this, and, and squire this and squire that. And, and, the, and these things could lend esteem and, and worth and value to us. Yeah? Because that was the calling of the world. Things, things, things in the world, we, we strive for things to make us something, to give us that worth and that value. To be something. To feel important. That's what Paul's saying. He says, listen, I had all that. Yeah, I answered that call, but now God has a call on my life. I sense there's something more to life than this world. 
He says, listen, and I've got to see all of that stuff, all of those trappings that I had out there in the world. This is a higher calling now. Somebody say, I've got a higher calling. You see, he's, he, you, listen, you've got to see it's a higher calling. It is a higher calling. Somebody say higher. Because let me tell you something. Any other calling is going to try to keep you pedestrian at, at a terrestrial level to keep you at this level. Because I'm even know the, the, the world will just keep you going around, and that's the devil's plan. To keep you away from God's calling. When God gives you a higher calling, remember the call is what? Transformational. So Paul says, according to how I hear God, according to how I answer this calling, this invitation to my life, to, this invitation to live in a relationship with him. Somebody say relationship. Because it's more than just coming and saying a prayer. It's more than just coming and saying, saying a prayer, yes, I received Jesus. And this, no, God calls you into a relationship of intimacy, uh, some, uh, of, of, of communication, of engagement and experience. You get to really, really experience God. Are you hearing me? You see, God doesn't call, call us into religion. You see, religion is what wants to uh, um, uh, evacuate. That's what religion does. Religion just wants to, that, religion trains us to just think about evacuation. Yeah, let's just get out of here. Let's get saved. I can't wait to get to get to heaven. Amen. But relationship with God, amen, focuses on occupation. There's going to be some change and there's going to be some transformation and there's going to be some heaven living with godly results. Oh, praise the Lord. So that's, that's what he's, that's what he's talking Paul, Paul is realizing, hey, man, I'm, I'm willing to, to realize I have to let go of the lower corners in my life. I've got to re recognize, I have to be discerning of what is a low calling. You know what I mean? We need to be discerning what's a high calling and what's a low calling. What's God and what ain't God? And, then that, and that's just the invitation. Then when you've got the invitation, then it has to be, okay, I've discerned that this is what God's saying to my life right now. And that's the old calling. And then we have, and we know we have to then do what? Embrace. Accept the calling. Mm. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he goes on to say, here in verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So there's some mystery. Take. He, says he says conformed. Somebody say conformed. That, that, that means that, that there's a shaping and a transformation and a change in taking place. The more that, the more that, that, that he accepts, he releases, he lets go of the old calling and embraces the new calling, he changes. And he, he even, he's he, he, he trying to find words to explain it. He says in verse 11, he says, if by any means I may attain from the resurrection from the dead, all of a sudden now he's saying, listen, there, 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 there's, this, even, there's this dead part of me that stays behind and there's this new, this new person is rising up as I answer this call. He calls it, if by somehow, he can't, it's not really explained because I mean, no, you can't explain that type of mystery. He says, if by somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He's not talking about the, the, a future resurrection, which is the ultimate fulfillment, amen, of when we, when we do die, amen, there will be an ultimate fulfillment and we have a new body and a, come on somebody, and, you, and we are fully, fully, fully in eternity, amen, but until then, how I many know God does a work in our lives now 
now, he says, he says, even now I can resurrect. Even now things can change. Even now things can get better in my life, through my life, and in this world. There can be a resurrection taking place right now. You don't have to wait to, to die that type of death over there to see a resurrection. He says, listen, if you answer the call and keep responding to how God is speaking to your life, amen, not just, not just on the Sunday, but in, in your relationship, when he tells you things, dead things, out of dead things, out of dead things, something can resurrect and come back alive. Relationships, come on, family, homes, come on, salvation can take place. A whole community could change. He says, if I'm going to listen to the call of God and let go of this, because somehow, some way, I'm going to see the power of God move in my life. It may be a struggle sometimes, and I know I have to learn how to share, he says, in his suffering, but I, sometimes there's going to be times of power and great joy and fellowship, amen, with the power of his resurrection. If I somehow, some way, I know as I answer this call, I'm going to be changed and conformed and look more like God and walk more like God. I'll be, do, I'll be walking on water while everybody else is sinking. That's what he's saying. As you answer this call upon your life, if you be little by little, you begin to respond to what God is saying to your life. Somebody says it's transformational. Mm. How many people know? Mm. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you. Come on, help me out. Yeah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I, I, I what? I knew you. Woo! Woo! Somebody say, he knew me. Somebody say, he knows me. Somebody say, I don't even know who I'm supposed to be right now. Because that's the truth. I'll, tell, I'll show you why. Somebody say, prove it. The Bible says that, that okay, Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his, oh, hello somebody, who have been called, who have been called what? According to his purpose. For those God what? Foreknew. He what? He predestined. Predestined. Somebody say, I've been predetermined. Yeah, your mom and dad may not have predetermined you. If they was writing the Bible and they're writing about you or me, they'll probably put in that on that page. Oops. All right, praise the Lord. But, but when it comes to God, you ain't no mistake. Amen? That's why every life is valuable. You, you, when it comes to God, you are not a mistake. You were predetermined. He knew he was going to meet her and she was going to meet him. He knew what was going to go down. <laughs> Amen? And what would take place. He, come on, somebody. He knew that you would have that little meeting and, you know what, pregnant, baby, hello, somebody. He knew the marriage would take place. He knew that. He, 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 listen, you ain't a surprise to God. He always plans you. You ever, you ever heard people, I don't know why I'm here, because you were here because God predestined you, predetermined. You're here because God knew you before you even got to anyone's womb. Before you were birthed, before you were be God knew you intimately. That talks about personally, potentially. He knew who you were supposed. Listen, when a, when someone creates something, you know they know what they're creating. They see the end result before they even start work. So somebody say he called me. So if he calls you, 
Guess what he's calling you to? To you. The only way you could ever arrive at who you're supposed to be and manifest and fulfill your full potential is if you answer the call. Because that's how God brings you through. That's how God manifests and unfolds you in the kingdom. Via the what? The call. Oh, you didn't hear me. You, you, to, to see all you're supposed to be and be all that you're supposed to be, you've got to pick up the phone and answer the call. Are you hearing me? Is this making sense to you? He says, I predestined you. I called you. And the only way we get to what we were predestined to be is if we answer the call. And it's through the call, as you can see, the transformation takes place. Come on, give God some praise in this place. For people who don't answer the call, John chapter 8, verses 31, 32, he says, to the Jews who believed in his name, he says, if you will hold to my teaching, if you hold to my truth, then you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Right, the truth, amen, is what God teaches, the word of God. The truth is what the Holy Spirit shows you. The truth is God's calling to your life. Amen. He says, if you hold to the truth, if you continue in my truth, amen, then the truth will do what? Set you free. The truth will liberate you. And you will be who you were meant to be. Anytime you reject truth, what happens? We're bound for error. You cannot reject truth and then expect to have a right result. He said, it's the truth that liberates you. It's the truth that sets free. Are you, are you hearing me? Some, somebody say, I'm, I'm predestined. How many people want to see the, see the will of God for your life? You want to see everything that you're supposed to be? Right, I'm back in that gym. How many people have been to a gym? We've got, all right, we've got, I will call up Leon today because he's been in the gym and he knows about gym and stuff like that. But if I say anything wrong, just, just put your hand up and tell me now. Right. When it comes to gym stuff, right, let's, how, can you, how can you work out the call of God? Let me see. All right, Romans 12, uh, 1 to 3 says, and, um, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, for the mercies of God, that you present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice, uh, um, and that you be transformed. Somebody said transformed. And we know that the transformation happens via the what? Renew, right? renew, renew the mind. And, and, the trans, and to get transformed... Yeah, the calling is to be transformed, and the tra transformation happens by renewing the mind. All right, Jesus, help me, help me. All right, so, okay, so I'm in the gym now. All right. My calling is to have a six-pack. Yeah? I got one. How you know? Mind you know. <laughs> All right. My calling is to, is to look like, hmm. All right, I've, I've got this vision of how I'm supposed to look, all right? All right? You've got a vision. You're in the gym, too. You've got a vision of how you're supposed to look or you want to look. All right? Some of you may be okay. But, but for the rest of us, amen, we can do a little uh, makeover, a little fix-up, <laughs> a little something-something. Yeah? All right. All right? So we're... We're in the gym now, okay? So I have a picture and a vision of that's my, that's my destination. That's what's been predetermined for me, okay? 
All I need, that's the will of God. That's the, whoa, yeah. That's, the, that's, that's God's, what? Good, pleasing, and perfect will for me. All right? That's my good, that's God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for me. All right? And the truth says, yeah, for many people, the truth is just something that's intellectual, cerebric, cerebral, uh, you know, just a head thing. You lift these weights, you jog over here. It's just, but Jesus says, if you hold to the truth, amen, if you take this truth and work it, hold to it, experience it, put it into practice, then it will liberate you and you'll look like that. The good, the pleasing, and perfect will of God. Are, are, are you understanding? Are, you get, you're getting it. So as you hold to the truth, as you hear God's calling, as you're interacting with the calling of God and responding to it, putting it into practice, if he says, if he says this to you, then you respond back to him. And you dialogue with him and, he, and, and things are happening in your life. As you, you, and you're working, you're working with him, you're in a relationship with him, and you're walking out your relationship with him. You're not rejecting what he says to your life. You're walking out, you're, you know, you're, you're in dialogues, a relationship. Think, transformation takes place. That's what it means when it says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are you going to get renewed? Unless there's some kind of input to your life. Until you get the call. Don't answer that phone. Then there'll be no renewing. You don't hear God speaking to you, amen, through messages, through the word. And you're not in, in, in engaging with him too and talking back to him and letting something take place. Remember, a lot, you know, he's a relational God. You say, religion has taught most of us to just come to church and expect some kind of like quick miracle every, every week. Evacuate. <laughs> no. God gives his word to equip, to occupy you. Amen. To live inside of you, to grow you. So something that we can walk with and engage with him. I'm preaching good today, boy. Praise the Lord. Sorry. I mean, let me just bring my own amen. Amen. Mm. Preach it. Woo. Hallelujah. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me let me let me move on. Amen. Praise the Lord. The call number two. Very quickly. The calling also, the calling of the, king, the calling of the kingdom is one that communicates to you and I our need of him. That's what the calling does. It's one of the first things, that's not the first thing the calling does. The calling communicates our need. Amen. For a for relationship for connection with our Heavenly Father. Because let me tell you something, there ain't nothing out there in the world that tells you, hey, you need to reconnect with your Father. That's a high, that's a high calling. Out in the world, they tell us, with, and it's good, have good relationships with your parents, have good relationships with each other, have good, rela have good relationships in your marriages, in your homes, and, and in your organizations. But none, nothing out there in the world tells you, listen, you need to have a relationship with your heavenly father. They never tell you that you need your heavenly father. You know, yet they say broken homes and broken families and broken relationships. If, if the, whole, the world knows the, 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 the danger and the damage that is caused by broken relationships and hurting relationships. Amen. And they teach and they, they preach about reconcile and, and healing. And they even have shows, not Jerry Springer, not Steve Wilco, but the other shows. Amen. They give us all these shows about how to heal relationships and bring things back together. But nowhere in the world do they tell you 
amen, to get a relationship with your, with your heavenly Father, your God, to get reconnected, to be reconciled. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 19 talks about we're new creations. Then it goes and says that God was in Christ. God himself came down in the person, in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. To, 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 be, to be used to reconcile, to bring healing, to connect the world back, humanity back to God. To, to break down that divide. Bible says that he, he came not counting men's sins. In other words, he came, listen, I'm not even going to watch what you're doing to me. I'm not even going to watch the hate that, 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 that you're doing to me. I'm here on a mission to reconnect. Praise the Lord. So the calling communicates to us that you and I have a need for our Heavenly Father. That's a calling. That's the top, top calling. You need, you need the Lord in your life. You need, to be, you need to be reconnected. But you know what happens when some people get called? I'm too busy. I can work this one out by myself. Amen? Hallelujah. Luke, Luke 5, 31, 32. Um, I'm not going to turn it. I think it says there that Jesus, that, that Jesus said, listen, I came. I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. I didn't come to call those who are well but those who have need of a doctor. How many people know the world, you and I need to realize and wake up and realize that, hey, there's something wrong. Not just with this world, but there's something wrong with you and I. The world needs to make up and say, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm at fault here. There's the, there's, I'm, I'm sure life ain't supposed to be just like this, to so just live and die. And I'm, there's something missing. There's something at fault. There's something needs to be fixed. Something needs to be healed. So this, come on, somebody. This cannot be just what life is meant to be. And we, I came from, come on, somebody. I came from somewhere. I don't even know we're going to be able to sense when something is wrong, when something's at fault, when something's broken, when something, when, when something is, is, is sinful and it needs healing. Oh, praise the Lord. Jesus said, I came for the sick. Perhaps you don't know that you're sick. Perhaps you know that you're sick, but you don't think, but you think you can get better by yourself. Perhaps you're sick and you, think, and, you, and you think that you can heal yourself. Perhaps you know that you're sick and you know you need a doctor, but you do not know that there is a doctor. Amen. Perhaps you know you're sick and you know you need a doctor and you know there is a doctor, but you don't know whether that doctor can help you or even if he wants to help you. Perhaps you know you're sick and you know you need a doctor. You know there is a doctor and you know the doctor can help you. And you know the doctor wants to help you, but you know what the doctor will tell you. In other words, you don't want to take the medicine that he may give to you. How many people can say amen to that one? Jesus said, I came to those who recognize that they have a need of me in their lives. Gotta know when you you got to know when you need God. Amen. The call in the kingdom is a call to personal development. Amen. Somebody said personal development. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to grow. No, tell them not that type of grow. You've done enough of that. You've got to increase. You've got to reach your highest potential. Amen. Bible says in Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Hallelujah. Joshua 1.8. The Bible says, to, God spoke to Joshua and said, This book of law shall not depart from your mouth. How many know they're getting ready to take territory? 
getting ready to just go into a, a, a new land and a, a new season in their life. How many people have to know we're, we're taking territory? And that's what the kingdom's about. It's about occupying territory, occupying, taking back your life. Taking back not just your life, but the lives of others. Are you, are you hearing me? Winning back, taking back what has been taken. But God says, listen, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall read it. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do everything and be in accordance with it. So then you will make your way, what? Prosperous and successful. You come on up, Shannon. Let me finish in a couple of minutes. Somebody say prosperous and successful. You know that church folk really want to be prosperous and successful. Let me say that again. I said, do you know that church people really want to be prosperous and successful? Oh, God bless three of you. Let, let me say it one more time. I, see, the rest of you just want to be, anyway. <laughs> do you know that us church folk want to be prosperous and successful? Amen. Amen. We want to be prosperous and successful, but, but here's the thing. Even God said, listen, you're going to go into the promised land. Amen. You're going to dispossess nations. And then on top of that, he says, but listen, listen, listen. He says, this book of law shall not depart from you. Meditate in it day and night. Keep it low. Meditate in it day and night. What? How many people know he's talking about personal development? He's talking, he, 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 he's talking about developing oneself. You'll be surprised at how many people want, what, how many people know he's talking about changing the mindset? Because whatever mindset you're at, how many been the, uh, uh, it, there's a common saying that says, if you keep doing the same thing and expect the different results, you're what? It's a sign of what? Madness. You keep doing the same thing, thinking the same way, approaching things the same way, and expect a different result, <laughs> you must be mad. It's a sign of madness. God, God says, listen, the, as, you go in to, as you go in to take the promised land, you have to be, you, 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 you got to be the, um, devouring some content. Because that's what a book of law is, content. There's stuff that you need to be inputting into your life, inputting into your mind. Adding value to yourself, increasing yourself. Stretching yourself, how you may, your perceptions and how you think, what you might... How you look at things. Somebody said the book of law. And I'm not going to go on about reading books because I know, anyway. <laughs> but we're being challenged by God Himself. And so, listen, you've got to be, you've got to pay attention to the, the content that your eyes see, what you put inside of yourself. There's a major, major war, marketing war in this world down to content. Websites, social media, all about content. They, they, they market to, to see what could, what could draw our attention. It's all about content. What keeps people interested? Cookies. You see these cookies and you know, if you want to use this website, we use cookies. You have to accept, amen, that, that we're going to monitor your, your, your browsing. To see what things you look at, what things interest you, what, what subject matter you go to. And we know they're checking what content they can feed your way to keep your attention so then they can market to you. 
And then before you, and before you know it, man, you just open that smartphone, you open that, that browser, and you're there, amen, and you're there for 5, 10, 15 hours. You open up that, that, that Prime Video or Netflix or that Sky TV, and hear the movies, hear the movies, hear the movies. That's content. They're giving you and I content. But it's not content that's going to help us to change. It's not content that's going to stretch us. It's not content that's going to grow us. It's not content that's going to prepare you and equip you, amen, to influence, amen, and grow in the kingdom. Galatians, Galatians 6 says, if you sow to the Spirit, you invest in divine content, leadership things, and stuff that's going to develop you as a person or in the goal or in what you want to be, business, career, whatever. He said, if you sow to the Spirit, then you'll reap of the Spirit, everlasting life. But if you sow to the flesh, if the things that you give yourselves to are just fleshy, they're just, they're just pedestrian, they're just domestic, they're just terrestrial, they're at that level, when you need to be living life at this level, you know, the things that you pay attention to and, and put your mind to is what you will become. Good, bad company corrupts good character. Likewise then, good company correct content will mold and shape you to master and be and come out and be that good that pleasing, that perfect will of God can you say amen amen, very very quickly the, call, the calling of the kingdom is more powerful than you think I said the calling of the kingdom is more powerful than you think you see, you see, you see some, some, some people, man, they say I'm too old some people say I'm too young let me tell you, listen, God speaks to the young he speaks to the old Amen. The, the, the calling of God is not for old people. Some of you young people think, oh, well, it's not my time. I'm not ready yet. Because they think the calling of God is for old people like you. Listen, young people, it's for people like you and me. That's right. <laughs> it's people like you and me. Listen, listen, every old person who came to God, let me tell you something, wishes that they came to God when they were old. Because when they, they realize, geez, you mean I was missing out on God all these years? Come on, somebody. But the calling of God is more powerful than, than, than you think. Somebody says the calling of God is powerful. Some people get, get, get deceived into thinking, you know what, it's too late for me. I'm too young. I'm too old. Things are too bad. Things are too dark. There's too much despair. Too much has happened. Uh, God, God wouldn't want me now. There's nothing that, that can be done. There's too much damage. There's too much hurt. Come on, somebody. There's, there's too much oppression, depression, and suppression. Too much despair, too much loss, too much regret. John chapter 11, verses 38 to 34, the Bible talks about uh, Lazarus. Somebody said Lazarus. This man was dead. This man was embalmed. This, this man was wrapped up and bandaged and put within a cave. And they, put a, and they put a stone over the cave. This man was dead. This man was rotten. This man was stink. And sometimes when the calling of God comes to us, we're, we're checking out our lives and, and the calling of God may come. Listen, this area of your life can change and resurrect. This area, this, your family can change and resurrect. And God can do this in your life and do that in your life and do this in your city and do this with your ministry. But we are in such a place, we say, no, it ain't going to happen. God, I know you're calling me, but I'm in this dark cave now and I've been here for so long and that things are dead and it's rotting and it's stinking there's all kind of maggots and all kind of fluids flowing out of me it's too late but God Jesus came to the people man he said listen where did you lay that dream where did you lay that vision and they took in the Bible says to, 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 to the cave where they, had, they, where they had put Lazarus and Jesus said remove that stone and the sisters and the family were all saying if you was here 
if only uh, I, I, if only I got to God earlier, if, you, if only you were here, things would have been different. And, and Jesus started t- telling them, listen, I'm the resurrection and the life. And they say, yes, God, yes, we know that you are the resurrection and the life. And at the last day, everybody will be resurrected. But they didn't understand that Jesus was saying, no, you do not have to wait until the last day for me to work a miracle and bring resurrection inside of your life. And he says, I am, I am. It's a present tense. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, now faith is faith is a present time thing yeah it's good to recognize what's going on in the past it's good to look to the future but let me tell you something the bible says today not yesterday is salvation tomorrow is not salvation today is the day of salvation today is in your present time that you tap into the power of god that's the call of the kingdom the call of the kingdom is not for tomorrow it's, it's come on somebody it's not for your past it is for today you respond today. Jesus says, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm here now. Don't, don't, don't get caught up in this religion thing. You, you're in a relationship with me. I work now in your life. I don't have to wait until you're dead to resurrect you or to do nothing. I ain't going to wait until tomorrow. I am. I'm a today God. I never leave you. I'm an ever-present help for you in times of trouble. I'll, I'll, I'll never quit on you. I'll never leave you behind. I'll be with you through the storms. Through the Come on, the Bible says he's a good shepherd. The good shepherd. Ever people may run out on you. Ever people may quit on you. Come on, somebody. Ever people may, they may see trouble and say, you know what? You're by yourself. I can't help you. But God says, I am a present help. I got your back. I got your front. I'm to your left. I'm to your right. He says, remove the stone. But it stings. You don't know what kind of trouble you, you're trying to un- uncover now. You don't really know what, 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 what's going on. Jesus said, remove the stone. In other words, come on, just start believing because I can't work this one by myself. How many people know God, we need to cooperate with God when God wants to resurrect something? Oh, Lord, have mercy. There's people in your lives who need resurrecting. I said there are people in your lives who need resurrecting. You've got family members, you've got brothers, you've got sisters, you've got sons, you've got daughters, you've got cousins by the dozens. Come on, you've got mothers and you've got fathers and you're just here coming to church, coming to church, not realizing that God says you need to start believing them for salvation. You need to start believing for me to resurrect and do a miracle in their life. I want to do something in their life now. Yeah, yeah. They get saved one day. Forget one day. God is a today God. He's a now God. You, you can't wait to start believing when you see it one day. You've got to start believing and seeing it now. It's called conviction. That's what faith does. Faith is a conviction. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It takes place on the inside. Have you got the substance of faith inside you? For somebody's soul, for somebody's salvation. Have you got that conviction inside of you? That conviction that says, you know what? I'm going to remove the stone. I'm going to start believing for my sons and my daughters and for my household and for my, come on somebody, for my nation, for my generation. Are you about that life? They're just a call to walk by faith and not by you about that life. The call to the kingdom is about a lifestyle, a faith lifestyle. Are you about that life? Are you about a living, vibrant, animated, dynamic, walking relationship with God? 
Or are you about some dead religion that just meets God, barely meets God, barely gives him a kiss on a Sunday? Is your religion, is your faith alive, living and vibrant and moving? The Bible says in him we live, we move, we breathe and we have our being. If it, if it isn't him, his spirit keeping you alive, his word animating you, come on somebody, then we're dead. He said, remove the stone. They walked up to the, they walked up to the cave and they, they pushed the stone out of the way. They done their part. Jesus said, we're about to have a, a mega Sunday. How many of you are pushing that stone? How many of you are investing in that mega Sunday? How many of you have filled out your winsome forms and you've written down those names and you're praying for those dear souls? Or you're practicing some dead religion? Or you're walking around with some lowly pedestrian terrestrial calling? Talking about you want a house and car and money, not realizing that you're called to bigger things than that. You need to be calling, amen, answering the call to believe God for souls. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. Wise. That's the right thing to do. That's the right thing to be praying about. You've got the devil fooling you and got you on some low level terrestrial calling, crying over your house, crying over your car. Forget that. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and those things will be added to you. Those things will be added to you. Answer the higher calling. Oh, you didn't hear me. The Bible says they move. Come on, how many ready to move a stone? They moved the stone. They said, you know what, man? I'm feeling this. There's this guy, this Jesus. He turned up late in my life. He's a bit late and things are a bit stink. And things are a bit off cue. Ask you. They're a bit meandering. They're a bit all over the place. Life's a bit crazy and things are a bit mad. He turned up. You turn up late, you know. But still. But still. I'm going to move this stone. I'm going to start believing for him. I'm going to start believing for her. I'm going to start believing for this. I'm going to believe that there's something more to take place in my life. That this life is not over yet. There's more. There's more. Plus ultra. Paul said, not that I've already arrived or attained. You see, that's the problem with religious people. They think that's it. They think they say, ne plus ultra. There's no more beyond here. But Paul said, no. Plus ultra. There's more. With the kingdom, there's more. With the devil, there's less. That's how the, that's how the kingdom of darkness works. Less. Let's just put someone on the top to milk those on the bottom. Only one person can be blessed in the kingdom of darkness. And everybody else is a slave. But when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, God can bless everybody. Because he is a creative God. He's a creative God. He creates things. The devil can't create nothing. Him a copycat. And he can't even copy good. That's why his number is 666. He can't get to seven. Limited. He keeps it at man's level. Seven is God's number, completion. Oh, you didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. Every time he tries to get to seven, six, back down. Every time he got six, back down. Six, I just call him 666. He can't get to that place the seventh day of rest where God just shows up. And the Bible says they removed the stone and, and Jesus stood outside 
this, this cave, this tomb, this, this, this sepulchre, whatever you want to call it. Whatever, whatever is dead that you gave upon. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. How many know that's a call? That's a call. That's the call of God. And I don't know what happened. Maybe we could imagine it, but that man was in there for days. That man's flesh was putrid. Liver, organs, rotten. Juices flowing, maggots, everything. And as that call went forth, this is how powerful the call is. You could just imagine this flesh transforming from being rotten and putrid and just skin just coming back and joining back. And everything just, don't you got your face set up for? Because that's how some of our lives are. <laughs> but God's calling. And there's this reversal. Things getting back, coming back. Come forth. And you know, Lazarus didn't, that was an echo. The Bible says that this dead person, this rotten person that came out hopping. 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 Hopped out of this grave. And Jesus looked at the people and said, loose him, let him go. Help unwrap that dead person. Wow. He's got to do it with you and me. As he calls us, he uses us to call others and to help others. Are you excited at what God is doing in your life now? Or are you excited religiously about what God's going to do? Or what he is doing? I'll have a bit of both. <laughs> Amen. But many times, watch your speech. Many times, this is how we talk. Oh, God's going to do this. And God's going to God ain't going to do nothing. That's how we need, to, we need to start talking. God is doing. God has done. God is doing. God has done. That needs to be our language. That needs to be our narrative. Oh, you didn't hear me. Because if your narrative, let me tell you something, your words are powerful. And if your speech is not in the now and it's in the future, then so shall your manifestation be. It will never, you know, what, what is, even the world says it, tomorrow never comes. Come on, stand with me. I want to, we're done. The call of God. What, what is the biggest enemy to the call? Somebody ask me, what is it? Somebody ask me like they really want to know. All right. This is going to shock you. And I, I want you to brace yourself because it's only one word that's the biggest enemy to the call. I want you to, this might surprise you. Well, this is what I think is the biggest enemy to the, to the call of God. To see in the fulfillment, the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God manifest. Because when the call happens, we answer. But then some enemy comes in, tries to frustrate that call. Somebody said, I want to know what the enemy is. The enemy is called nothing. Mm. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing is a terrible foe. Because we're always looking for something. We operate by, God, where's the enemy at? Bind him. Name that demon. 
Come on, somebody. What is your name? We are many. That's how we're programmed to look for something. And that's all well and good. But sometimes in life, your biggest enemy will be nothing. Oh, you didn't hear me yet. Your biggest foe, the one that will depress you, oppress you, suppress you, intimidate you, scare you, and cause you to quit, will be nothing. What's the matter with you? Nothing. Has God showed up yet? Have you seen anything yet? No, I ain't seen nothing. What makes most people quit? Nothing. Oh, you didn't hear me, did you? Nothing. What makes most people quit on God and walk away? Nothing. Nothing is powerful. Nothing will oppress you and depress you. Nothing will intimidate you. Second Kings chapter 5, the, 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 the prophet told Naaman, listen, go and dip. I see you healed. I see you delivered. Go and dip. How many times? Seven times. Seven times to dip. Go, and, go over there and dip. And he dipped once. Looked at his leprous skin and guess what he saw? Nothing happened. You know what we're like. How many times have you prayed for something and nothing happened? How many times have you believed God for something and nothing happened? How many times have you given and nothing happened? How many times have you stepped out and believed God and nothing happened? Nothing. Nothing is a terrible foe. But your faith has been given to you to deal with nothing. Oh, you didn't hear me. Faith calls those things that aren't as though they were. That conviction inside you has to say, you know what? There's going to be something. It may take me 10 years of my life, 20 years of my life, 30 years of my life. I may go to my grave not seeing the manifestation on the outside, but I see it here on the inside. It's already, I see something. And my something inside of me supersedes the nothing outside of me. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Walk in your something. Walk in your conviction. Don't let nothing defeat you. That man would have dipped, come up four times, five times, and seen nothing. Nothing will follow you home. Nothing would counsel you. Come on, somebody. Nothing will get in your ears. Nothing will get in front of your eyes. Nothing will discourage and diss you. Nothing will slap you down. Nothing will always be there. But you've got to be able to see past nothing. Remember that God created something and manifested it contrary to nothing. Amen? Remember that song, Shannon? You've got to sing it. It's, there's a song that goes out, nothing's going to hold me back. <laughs> kind of like, because now it's kind of like, I messed it up for myself. It's kind of like it's got a double meaning. Don't allow nothing to hold you back. Because many times in life, and you see, you're like, you ain't going to see nothing. No, you are going to see nothing. <laughs> you're going to see nothing. But you've got to learn to keep going at it because you've got an inner conviction. This is what God says. This is the end of it. This is this, the end result, the manifestation of this. Don't allow nothing to rob you. Amen? Come on, just lift your hands right now. We're going to pray.